Hello, and welcome to Geek Between the Lines, the podcast where we explore compelling themes and some of our favorite geeky properties. I'm Chris. I'm Brittany. Thanks for listening to this week's episode, where we'll be discussing compassion in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. To let the listeners get to know us a little bit better, what is a way in which you could be more compassionate or more caring? There's probably a lot of ways I could be more compassionate. (laughs) I think one of them would be that I don't always have the most compassion for people that are, you know, undergoing difficult times when the difficult times they're undergoing, they kind of brought on themselves by poor decision making. (laughs) Um, So... I could probably be a lot more compassionate to people in general, because most people make bad decisions at some point or other. I never have, but I hear most people do. And I was about to say, and some people make them much more often than others. (laughs) Case in point, you and me. But uh, what about you? Yeah, I mean, like we talked about last time we talked about compassion, sometimes I think that I can be overly compassionate to those who I am near or who, who I'm kind of seeing, but I think I have a harder time being compassionate to those who are not kind of in my vicinity, who are I'm not kind of seeing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I, I feel like I, I could definitely be more intentionally compassionate to people who I'm not kind of personally involved or, or able to see their suffering or uh, be compassionate to them in, in direct ways. I think that that indirect compassion is also important and something I, I need to work on. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Well, let's get into our discussion of Compassion in the Lord of the Rings. We have a quote. This quote is from The Fellowship of the Ring, just the second chapter in The Fellowship of the Ring, as Gandalf is talking with Frodo about the, the perils and journey that they need to go on. So in this quote, Frodo and Gandalf are talking about Gollum. What a pity that Bilbo did not stab that vile creature when he had the chance. Pity? It was pity that stayed his hand, pity and mercy, not to strike without need. And he has been well rewarded, Frodo. Be sure that he took so little hurt from the evil, and escaped in the end, because he began his ownership of the ring so, with pity. Yeah, so we decided to start the episode with this quote, because one, it's just great, and two... I'm so familiar with the movies that I'm so much more familiar with this quote from the movies dialogue. And, and it's I, such a great, a well-delivered quote in the movies. Oh, yeah. It's it's so good. It's, it's one of my favorite quotes. But it's interesting to see some of the differences. In the movie, it's it's more about who who are we to decide who lives and who dies? How can we judge that? We don't know all ends. But here, it's saying a little more about this kind of direct cause and effect because Bilbo didn't kill for this ring. The ring didn't negatively affect him the same Mm. ways that it did for Gollum, which is is an interesting view on the effect of the ring. Yeah, absolutely. And in the book, they do talk about deserving death and things like that afterwards. But I think that leaving out that component of the thing that's so different about Bilbo is not just that he's this kind of fun-loving hobbit, it's that he took the ring and instead of killing someone for it like all the other ring bearers in the past had done, or at least injuring someone for it, he, yes, he tricked someone, and so there is that, but he 
also spared that person's life when he had the chance to kill them. And I think that that is, uh, it shows the compassion that, that Bilbo, even against this enemy of someone who he is stealing from, but someone who has a capacity of killing him and is clearly very dangerous, he also sees he sees the personhood of Gollum and he, he recognizes that and I think is able to empathize with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When it comes to the hobbits, they do the best with rings of power. Mm-hmm. Which is probably why Sauron never wanted to give him any. <laughs> but I guess we should move on to our character. What character did you bring today? I want to talk about Aragorn. So Aragorn, I think, is interesting as a ruler in particular. And I say ruler because I don't just mean when he's king. Because even before he's king, he is still the leader of the Dúnedain, right? Of these rangers in the north. And I think that as a ruler, both of the Dúnedain and later of, of Gondor, he is so different in many ways because of his selflessness, his compassion as a ruler. Because I think that most leaders that we see in Middle-earth are leaders who are, at best, focused on their own people, still nationalistic, and when they are well-intentioned, those good intentions tend to really be focused on what is best for their own people. And I think that that's something that you'll see in, in with many leaders, you know, throughout narratives and history and all these other kinds of things. But I think Aragorn's really unique because a lot of his leadership that we see in the books is defined by the opposite. It's defined by being sacrificial, both of himself and, frankly, of his people, on behalf of others. Mm. With the Dúnedain, we see that, you know, even though the Shire has no idea about this, they're protecting the Shire from incursions. One of the reasons it's been able to remain so peaceful is because they've had this group of rangers basically protecting it at the behest of Aragorn and Gandalf. And they're literally putting their lives at risk to be peacekeepers of a sense in ways that they get no notoriety for, right? No, no thanks. People still see rangers as dangerous and, you know, kind of scummy and all these other kinds of things. And actually they're doing this amazing service, but they are also secretive about it. And so I think that already shows that, you know, he came up and comes from this act of service. And even in this small, frankly, kind of dwindling group of people, they utilize their skills for others in this really compassionate and selfless way. Mm. And I think Aragorn continues to do that when he does kind of start to, when he gets to Gondor near the end of the series, where, you know, he doesn't immediately take the crown. He instead wants to continue to work as a, a fighter in the area, but he doesn't want to take control. It's not about his own power, his own authority or anything. He lets Prince Imrahil hang out and still take charge of the city until everything is done. And then Prince Imrahil hang out a lot. Oh yeah. Prince Imrahil totally hangs. He, uh, he is, I'd even say Prince Imrahil is a bro. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that that's, it's really uh, shown also in the idea of the diver- the diversion, right? The the fact that he is literally <laughs> going to go possibly sacrifice his own life, certainly those of his soldiers and the people who are around him, to just give Frodo a chance. That it's the complete opposite of what the stewards of Gondor have done for so long, where they've focused on protecting their borders most first and foremost. And instead it's about sacrificing themselves for the good of Middle-earth. And I just think that... that Aragorn, he exemplifies this kind of compassionate leadership that we don't really see a lot of, even as he, he kind of shuns leadership through most of the books. I think the, the few times he does take up that mantle, it's it's really powerful. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and after Gandalf fell in the Mines of Moria, Aragorn 
basically was the person who took over Mm -hmm. to lead the fellowship. And even after Frodo leaves and then Sam goes after him, he makes the compassionate decision of running for days and days to try to find and save Merry and Pippin, right? And Mm -hmm. yeah, that's such a compassionate thing to do when you could, you know, maybe the practical thing would be assumed that they're gone, they're lost, even if you were able to catch up with the Urukai, like, you would never be able to save them anyway. You're just three people. Mm-hmm. But now he's just like, hey, as long as we still have strength, we're gonna run after them. <laughs> Absolutely. And in the books, don't they run, like, for eight days straight or something, too? Something just, ridiculous like sounds that. Sounds like the yeah. worst thing I've ever heard in my life. But, um, <laughs> Running yeah, for eight yeah. minutes straight sounds like <laughs> the worst thing. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I think that's a really good point, that he does show that that throughout his his uh, his leadership. I'm wondering if you have any theories on why he is so compassionate. Because he grew up with the elves, which I'm not going to say that the elves just aren't compassionate, but when the world needs them most, they vanish, right? I mean, that's the Avatar, but it's also them, and... This is all covering things that I actually want to go over later, so can we put that off? Oh, for sure. <laughs> Okay, so my plot point. So we started with this quote, and if you compare, I mean, both weren't great. The beginning of what Frodo says in the movie, he's like, it's a pity, but we'll just kill him when he had the chance. Not great. But then when you get to the book one, it's like, what a pity Bilbo did not stab that vile creature when he had the chance. Like, (laughs) it's like even worse. And just going from that Frodo's journey to being just, such a more compassionate place that he practices compassion and he bestows compassion on people even who literally tried to kill him Mm -hmm. how he started out and he wasn't like that at all and i think obviously part of it was due to him being scared and he's kind of speaking out of that but i think another part is just as the ring had more and more effect on him he was able to understand and able to empathize with Gollum in a way that he couldn't at the beginning. And that fueled change to be more compassionate, not only towards Gollum when they do actually come face to face with him, and he's also trying to kill them. (laughs) But even to the end when he does betray them and everything and then towards Saruman, towards Grima, like he just gains this position of treating everyone with compassion and giving everyone second chances to the point where in The Return of the King, we had thought about using this as a quote and it's something he says, uh, it is useless to meet revenge with revenge, it will heal nothing. And it's just such a different, perspective than he came in with at the start of his journey you know even mary and pippin and they're all like yeah let's fight to get the shire back and everything and and frodo doesn't want to fight he doesn't want any more bloodshed and yeah i think it's come from some personal experience and from seeing some of the horrors that the world had Whereas some people, I think they become more jaded and 
more angry and bitter and would be tempted to feel more like, oh, well, it's a pity that he didn't just stab that vile creature when he had the chance. Frodo chooses to do the opposite of that, which I think is sadly the more rare response in our world. But yeah, I just, I find it really inspiring and really admirable that that he does the more difficult work of, of changing. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, that that goes into another concept of, of ways that where it's hard to be compassionate to people, which is when it's people who you see as an enemy, people who in our world maybe have different political views than you do uh, or what have you. It's harder to kind of have that compassion for them. And for Frodo, it's hard to have that compassion for Gollum, uh, especially at the beginning, because he just sees him as the enemy, the enemy from Bilbo's stories, the enemy that he is hearing is putting him in, him in danger. And then as he starts to experience what it's like to be a ring bearer and as he spends time with Gollum, yeah, that, that he gets that empathy and it makes it harder to see someone as an enemy when you're able to, to kind of understand what their, their life is like in that way. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it kind of just goes right back to both of our things of, ah, oh, we could be more compassionate. Like for me, mm-hmm. it'd be like, ah, oh, Gollum made that bad choice. I don't feel that much compassion for him. I mean, that's not true because you get to see his character and what happens and you're like, oh, this is tragic. Even if, yeah, he did terrible things. He did He did still do some murder. Yeah, just, um, just some. Some. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but then on your point too, it was very hard for Frodo to have compassion for him when he's just this like, almost like this character that he's heard about. But once he comes mm-hmm. face to face with them... He did pity him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which I also think is one of the really amazing things, you know, talking about the film is how in Fellowship of the Ring, in the film, we only really see kind of Gollum's eyes and silhouette. We don't see him, really. And now, obviously, we've seen Two Towers and Return of the King so often that we know what he looks like. But I remember, you know, in Two Towers, also starting to feel more for Gollum because I was able to see more of him mm. right and that, that kind of filmmaking technique I think was really effective in hiding him from us before like Frodo before we got to know him uh, and his story a little bit more yeah that's so true and also I just I think it's interesting that yeah his experience with the ring partially it seems almost helped him gain more compassion which is a very odd thing to think about mm-hmm. whereas Sam didn't have any compassion for Gollum. And I don't know if for Sam, his loyalty to Frodo supersedes any compassion he would have towards someone else or or if a different cause would be there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, we should probably move into our compelling questions. Okay, well, what's your question for me? Uh, this covers part of what you were getting to earlier. My compelling question for you is, how do you think being an eternal elf might affect the way that one performs compassion? Hmm. It's an interesting question. I could kind of see it going two ways. I'm sure there's like 27,000 different ways it could go, (laughs) but I'm saying two. And one would be that you would almost have more compassion for mortals because... Mm their suffering 
takes up so much more of their life <laughs> than mm-hmm. it would yours. And so I could see it motivating elves to want to help all of the different mortal races to have happier lives for the short amount of time they actually get to live. Mm. And that would be a nice way to go. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That would be the compassionate way to go. Unfortunately, what I think we see more of, where time is not experienced in at all the same way and it can kind of make you more removed and you might not form a lot of good friendships or any anyone from mortal races because they're just gonna die really soon and Mm. you spend millennia with your own friends and family and your own community and your own community is what becomes the most important to you because everything else is just like you blink and it's gone Mm. because yeah you're just you're used to eternity (laughs) (laughs) so yeah I don't know I could kind of see it going either of those two ways what were you thinking yeah those are really good points I I was thinking some different ideas one was just kind of thinking about, yeah, the way that they kind of act culturally, being less warm and kind of excitable as other races, just because everything is so much more extended to them. And so, you know, it's not as big a deal to see someone after a month or a year or something for them when there's some people they haven't seen in 2000 years, right? (laughs) Um, And I think the best reading that you can give on that, on behalf of the elves, is that Therefore, their way of being compassionate to others is providing stability, providing a space and a world in which things will not be chaotic or change rapidly, and that instead people can enjoy each other and enjoy the lives that they ha- what they have in their lives, and hopefully things will not change so that however much time passes, they can still come back together. So that's one of the ways that I was thinking. The other, the other thing I thought was interesting was elven gifts. Hmm. You know, with Galadriel in particular, we see her giving gifts to the Fellowship as they go off. And I think the the form of those gifts is really interesting because in most circumstances, they are powerful and useful gifts. Sure, there's Lemba spread and things like that, but it's not like a bunch of food, which is, you know, the majority of gifts I get nowadays. Um, (laughs) Majority of the gifts you want nowadays. Also true, exactly, right? Like, I'm not an elf. (laughs) But... (laughs) But I think that, yeah, those daggers, the cloaks, the the light of Lendil, like all these things are very, very important. Uh, even Sam's rope, very useful tools that they get as a way of kind of being compassionate and showing their support and, and their their help. And I think that's, that's really interesting because, yeah, in these kind of long-lived experiences, Lembus bread is, is helpful. Even that kind of lasts a while, right? But something that is going to be a tool that you can use for a long period of time will ultimately be more meaningful than something that it can be kind of experienced once or twice and then done. So yeah, I I just think that's an interesting lens to see the elves through. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So were you kind of thinking about Aragorn having a slightly different, not power-hungry source of motivation because he grew up a lot among the elves, or I think that that could be a, a an explanation. That's probably an explanation that Tolkien would like. I think that there's also, you know, going back to our discussion of loneliness in Harry Potter last week, we 
see how people being orphaned can lead to them having compassion for others, right? And you could say that maybe mm-hmm. that's that's his uh, origin story as well. And so, yeah, I think there's a lot of different ways that, that you could possibly see Aragorn being affected by this. I think that excited as I am for whatever comes out of the Amazon Prime uh, Lord of the Rings series, I was hopeful that, that it would be about young Aragorn because I think that's a really interesting tale to tell. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and like this didn't happen in the books, but I actually enjoyed that they added it into the movies. The fact that in the Two Towers, they had that group of, of elves come to help at the Battle of Helm's Deep. That's like such an act of compassion because you're sacrificing your eternity. You know, mm-hmm. it's not... I mean, every sacrifice of a life is still something for sure. But for people who, yeah, your whole people group is not planning to stay anyway, to be willing to to die to help the people who will remain is, yeah, it's very compassionate and very sacrificing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was thinking the same thing earlier, uh, and you put it perfectly. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Do what I can. Well, can you tell me your compelling question? Oh, I can. Well, so we started out with the quote using the word pity. Mm -hmm. And we've been using it kind of synonymously with compassion. So I'm kind of wondering where you see the differences between the pity that Bilbo had for Gollum, as Gandalf said, not striking where there was no need versus Frodo having compassion for Gollum and, you know, everything that encapsulates his relationship with Gollum. Such a great question. Yeah, it's interesting because I think that pity is such an important word in Lord of the Rings. And from the kind of, some of the analyses and things that I've read and heard about Tolkien, I've heard that, that his concept of pity is very different from the kind of pity that we think about today, right? It's not that kind of, you are pitying someone from above. You are pitying their status, which is typically lower than yours. It's much more of a kind of giving, compassionate way of looking at their lives and and the negative aspects of their lives and the things that are hard for them. And I think that, you know, we, especially as I think as, as Americans, frankly, we kind of have this idea of pity being something that is offensive to someone because then it shows that you are above them, right? Mm-hmm. It's this, you know, we're all supposed to be equal here. There's no socioeconomic classes in America. We're all middle class, right? We're all equal. Don't <laughs> pity me. So I, I certainly grew up with this connotation of being pitied is a negative. It's not something that you want. Whereas I like this idea of pitying being about being compassionate, about seeing the difficulties that someone's life is bringing them and being empathetic about that and hopefully acting on it. And I think that's the important thing about Bilbo's act is that, or choosing not to act, was because he pitied someone. And I think pity, maybe even more than compassion, has a kind of active element to it where it requires or it contains something that you're doing where you're acting in regards to pity and and I think that typically that is something that is compassionate hopefully it's not dehumanizing to pity someone to the extent that you only see their circumstance and thus tokenize them in some way mm-hmm. but I don't think that that's what Bilbo is doing and certainly it's not what Frodo does with Gollum like we were talking about earlier right it's not that he pities Gollum for his circumstance, it's that he understands and empathizes with that circumstance. He's not he's not dehumanizing. If anything, he, that pity is humanizing in that way. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, what were you thinking? Yeah, well, you know, had to go to the library, i.e. dictionary.com. <laughs> looked up pity because, yeah, I think the way we use it colloquially, it's, it's not necessarily flippant, but at least seems rather shallow. Hmm. There isn't a depth of feeling there, but according to dictionary.com, it is sympathetic or kindly sorrow evoked by the suffering, distress, or misfortune of another, often leading one to give relief or aid or to show mercy. And compassion is very similar in the definition. It's a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another who is stricken by misfortune, accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate the suffering. Hmm. So I guess with compassion, whether you act on it or not, at least you, the desire is innate to the feeling, it seems. Hmm. And I think Frodo definitely had that desire to alleviate in any ways that he could and he couldn't really do much right for Gollum because one they needed him as a guide two he could only trust him so much he couldn't actually give him the only thing he really wanted uh, but he could try to help him be free of it Mm. whereas Bilbo he had pity it actually stopped him from an action to attack or kill him to make sure he couldn't follow or anything. He he was willing to put himself in a more precarious situation rather than act out aggressively towards him. Mm. At the same time, he still stole his ring. <laughs> <laughs> he, he did do that and gave him a super unfair riddle game test. Mm-hmm which did not end in a riddle nor a game. (laughs) But I think because Frodo got to spend so much more time with Gollum, he actually was able to get a deeper sense of compassion that stayed with him even when the ring was, you know, becoming more and more and more of a burden, even when his best friend was trying to convince him to get rid of Gollum. And I think where where Bilbo, besides telling stories about his adventures, I don't know if he really would have thought about Gollum again. Hmm. I don't think that Frodo ever would probably have a couple days go by where he didn't think of Gollum at least once. Hmm. And so, yeah, I think Frodo's compassion went so much deeper and I think part of that is because of the relationship and part of it is because of the experience of the the destructive side of the ring Mm. yeah yeah I think that's a really good point well I guess we should move on to our missed opportunities so what is yours my missed opportunity is that while I think it's really cool seeing Gimli and Legolas's friendship blossom over the books and the movies kind of them them gaining compassion for someone who they thought was an enemy. I think it would have been amazing, uh, kind of going in line with our continued discussion of the mistreatment of orcs as a, as a race and as a people, if they then maybe were a little self-critical and were like, you know who I also hated? Orcs. I wonder <laughs> right. if there's any of them who I could be friends with, instead of literally just taking a game out of killing them. 
Maybe we should invite one of them to the glittering caves. Yeah, right? Exactly. I'm sure they'd love the glittering caves. They sound delightful. They probably don't want to go in Fangorn Forest. <laughs> but the glittering caves would be a safe bet. Yeah. And so, yeah, I just, I think that that, that would have been kind of when I think about like if I did like a modern retelling of of Lord of the Rings or if we saw that I think that that might be something that would be an improvement on the story is a general more nuanced approach to orcs and in particular Gimli and Legolas not just kind of being done once they're friends and that kind of being the end of that 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 character arc but instead them kind of then using that to be more self-critical about the way they've treated other people as well. Hmm. Yeah, I like that. That would be nice. Well, what were you thinking? What's your missed opportunity? So I was kind of wishing that at least once there was some sort of semi-significant example of someone showing compassion to another and having a kind of lasting impact or an important impact because we do see people showing Gollum compassion and it it has an impact especially with Frodo for a bit but then Mm -hmm. once he thinks Frodo betrayed him it's all reversed and in the end you know he tries to get them eaten by Shelob and then is still you know perfectly ready to attack kill them whatever to get the ring and Mm -hmm. Saruman you have Gandalf show him mercy you then later have Frodo show him mercy and he still tries to kill Frodo Mm -hmm. then you know even Grima is kind of questionable for him too I mean Theoden showed him mercy and didn't execute him after he found out that he basically had him possessed by Saruman and so so you have these examples of it not having a lasting or significant impact in the end which I think is good, right? Because mm-hmm. that's not why you show compassion. And a lot of the times that's probably what would happen. But I think it would be nice to have at least seen something somewhere where somebody acknowledges that somebody was compassionate to them. And then, yeah, they choose to kind of carry that on and, and change to be more compassionate to others. Yeah, yeah. I think that's so true that we don't see a lot of uh, of change i think generally yeah and i mean combining with your point i think the optimal scenario for me would be that toward orcs yeah absolutely and and even if that doesn't you know make a huge change at least giving an orc enough personhood to see that compassion and be affected by it in some way whether it's making them change sides or not you know still having that orc be able to see that I think is in of itself a a form of agency that we don't see in the movies Mm -hmm. or the books yeah for sure I I think that leads me into my takeaway though because I think my takeaway is that Lord of the Rings doesn't do the best job with narrative arcs generally Uh, I think that the few that we do see are are kind of relational where we see Gimli and Legolas become friends and and Frodo become more empathetic to Gollum and these other kinds of things that, that we have discussed but as a whole, characters don't change a lot. It's mm-hmm. kind of just putting pieces on a board and then pushing them together. And while it's still an epic story and there's still amazing set pieces and, and, and things that happen that I think are, are really amazing, we don't see a lot of growth in those books. And, and I think that's something that 
looking at compassion, you know, kind of what you're talking about, we don't see where a lot of characters' compassion comes from. They just kind of show up compassionate or not, and can, for the most part, continue that way. And it'd be nice to see even a conversation of, I learned this because of X, Y, or Z, or, or Frodo being like, you know, Bilbo was good to me when I lost my parents, or, or anything else that's not just a kind of taking for granted that a character is going to be good and compassionate, uh, I think would be really great. Yeah, yeah. What about you? What's your takeaway? I was kind of wondering, like, as we were talking, it brought up some thoughts of what is compassionate storytelling? Hmm. Because you have J.R.R. Tolkien creating this narrative where there can be some very moving examples of compassion, like, you know, we were talking about with Frodo and even Gandalf calling out Frodo at the beginning for, you know, not mm. having pity that, that Bilbo did have. But then, obviously, other ways, like what we've talked about in our race episode, there's some very not compassionate things and very uh, privileged perspective or ignorant perspectives that are put into the narrative and perpetuated then mm. as others consume it. But then within the story itself, too, you have Bilbo, who writes about his adventures and his life. And I wonder kind of what compassionate storytelling would look like for him. Hmm. And and if elves or historians in Middle-earth, if they're writing down and chronicling all of these different things that have happened, making songs about it and whatnot, if, if that creates in themselves more compassion towards others or Mm. or if it doesn't yeah i don't know it's just my takeaway is wondering about these things (laughs) yeah so what will we be discussing next week well so instead of our normal hunger games episode we are going to have a little special episode which is going to be celebrating our second year anniversary as a podcast and also announcing a mini season that we're going to be doing. So stay tuned. Next week, that episode will pop up on your feed. Yeah, I'm really excited for it. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Geek Between the Lines. And if you've stayed with us for the last two years, thanks very much for that as well. You can find us on social media by searching for Geek Between the Lines on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Pinterest, or you can go to our website at bit.ly slash geekbetweenthelines, where you can find all sorts of episode notes and blog posts and all sorts of other fun things. You can also go to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash geekbetweenthelines. Our patrons have helped us get to this point, and we're so grateful to them. And so if you want to join our Patreon and get access to all the amazing extra content that we put out for them, you can join for as little as $1 a month, and it really helps us keep the show sustainable and has helped us get this far. We want to thank Kimberly Taylor Pestel at Lacelet for designing our logo. You can find her designs at lacelet.com or searching for Lacelet on Facebook or Instagram. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week. Until then, geek out! out.